Hello, and welcome to Music Rewind, a podcast where we look to tell the stories behind our favorite albums. I'm your host, Steve Epley, and in each episode, I will invite a guest to tell us about their favorite music album, how they discovered it, and what makes it special to them. Joining me today is a person who was instrumental in my musical journey over the years, second only to my father, Alan Ziegler. Al is a program manager out in Northern California by day and an avid music enthusiast the rest of the time. And he even spent some time as a classic rock DJ back in the day. I've known him for well over 40 years because he is my cousin. Welcome to the show, man. Thank you. Thanks for those flattering words. And uh, thanks for having me. Excited to be here and doing this new podcast. So, uh, yeah, I did a short stint as a DJ on a classic rock station, weekend overnights. Um, music always been present in my life. Starts typically when I wake up in the morning and turn on the radio and uh, listen to music all day long until I go to bed. Over the years, I've been to music festivals, tons of concerts, spent thousands and thousands of dollars worth on music, albums, and cassettes, CDs, MP3s, and then back to albums. Uh, even, even in college, my major was uh, radio and TV. I still enjoy record collecting, and um, I'm always trying to find um, some old gems that I might have missed over the years, and um, I love new music as well. Yeah, it's a shame you never got the chance to go to Bonnaroo with me and my dad and my brothers. Yeah, um, I kind of retired from the big concerts. Um, got a little too hectic for me, I think. <laughs> uh, what was the radio station? The radio station was WGLO. That was uh, Peoria. It covered the Peoria area. Oh, yeah. It was fun while it lasted. Um, some, there's some good stories I could probably tell about that sometime. Well, we'll bring it back on Al's Radio Tales. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, let's jump right into this. Alan, what is your favorite album and how did you discover it? So I want to tell everybody about Band on the Run by Paul McCartney and Wings. changed my life it shaped my life so band on the run it was released in december of 73 i was two months away from my sixth birthday and i have memories of my grandma's dark colored wood console stereo with the wrought iron metal covering the red velvet speaker holes I remember that stereo well. And then on uh, uh, you know, on the console, you lifted the top, and inside was the AM, FM radio, turntable, and then there was the 8-track player. So I would play this 8-track band on the run over and over. I can remember pushing the buttons and fast-forwarding it and knowing when to just push the buttons just right because you know on um like an eight track for the people that are older and probably know 
had those four buttons <laughs> and you had to push it in just the right spot and then it would change tracks and it, it was it was pretty crazy I can remember I can remember all that and you know just trying to find the right song because I only played four songs on that album Band on the Run the title track obviously Jet Helen Wheels and 1984 so this is not only like my first musical memory, but this is actually my very first childhood memory. I can't picture grandma listening to Wings uh, at all. Grandma was a big no. Beatles fan and very much Paul McCartney's solo in particular. Really? Yes. Uh, later in the years, when, when I discovered the Beatles much later on, I asked her about it because our grandmother was born in England. And I asked her, well, what do you think of the Beatles? And she just said, they're fine. <laughs> they're, they're fine. <laughs> I wonder if over the years her opinions changed because like McCartney would get busted for pot a couple of times and then <laughs> Lennon would be a little political. And so I don't you, you know. Uh, that could be. That could be. Or maybe she was just trying to humor me. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, kind of burst my musical bubble a little bit there. <laughs> well, when I got the chance to use that big ass stereo, it, all that was there was really um, Disney records and disco. Left by Kevin. Funky Town. Uh, Funky Town. Funky, yeah, Lip Sync. Yeah. That's it. Lips yeah. Incorporated. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, we would. Uh, my sister and I would play that over and over again. <laughs> <laughs> and. Uh, Trust me, that got left for a reason because that wasn't very good. <laughs> yeah, the, the good ones were gone. I don't know. The good ones were gone. <laughs> Absolutely. So did uh, did anybody specifically turn you on to this album or or that style of music at that time? Right. Uh, so I mean, it was it's no coincidence that that a track was left in the console. I remember was um, Wars, Why Can't We Be Friends, a track, the one that has the cartoon character and the guy with the gold tooth. I would play that because I had um, Lowrider on it and then title track. I like that too. I remember that. But for the most part, I was, I was lucky because I had twin uncles that were 10 years older than me. These uncles unknowingly shaped my life. Because um, they turned me on to such great music at a young age, and and that love of music uh, never left me. So if you can imagine being six years old and having twin 16-year-old uncles that let you hang out with them, you know, cruise around in their cool cars, hang out and meet girls and, uh, you know, always playing great music, you know, like Dr. Hook. Chicago, or Doobie Brothers, and of course, of course, Wings and the Beatles. And, you know, how can you not want to be just like them? They're, they were great role models. Well, you in turn passed that down because over the years at family events, you were the one handing me CDs, 12, 13 years older than me. So it, uh, it you know, about worked out the same. Yeah, that's yeah. interesting how that worked out that way. Yeah, you couldn't have scripted something like that, actually. Like, full circle. And you can't really do that these days with, you know, Spotify and other avenues kind of running the show there. You don't get that that album hand-me-down 
aspect of it. Actually, I heard on another podcast something kind of interesting the other day that I never thought about. But when you, this is like the uh, the MP3 versus the album debate, you know, that no one ever wins. So the guy was saying how when you play an album, you have kind of a physical connection with that album because you have to be listening to know when to turn that album over. So no matter what you're doing, you kind of have at least part of your ear listening to every song on, on there, you know, when there's, you know, 20 minutes on an album side, roughly. Right. So it kind of keeps your attention for 20 minutes and you're at least listening because you know, you're going to have to eventually get up and flip that record over. So I thought, Oh, okay. That's kind of interesting. And then he went on to compare it to like, um, he said, oh, I could go to my Spotify playlist and I could hit play right now and it wouldn't turn off until tomorrow at six o'clock. He said, I don't really have any tangible attachment to that. So I could just let it play and play. Whereas an album, you have to stick with it because you got to flip that album over eventually. Yeah, you're, commi- you're committed to it. Yeah, it sounds simple, but it actually like, oh, that's kind of a cool point. But on the flip side to that, you know, with this day and age of, of wireless headphones and phone can sit anywhere, uh, for instance, Band on the Run, I had only really downloaded back in the Napster days the, the title track and that, and Jet never really at the time, you know, didn't really sync with me, but Band on the Run was always a good tune. Yeah. And uh, so that's really all that I had heard of the album. And this time around, when you told me that this was going to be your album, I, I downloaded the whole thing and I've probably listened to it a dozen times. You know, I've, oh, I've, cool. I've, I've dove into it. I have a new appreciation for the album, uh, but I don't have a, a disc man tethered to me. You know, I'm able to walk around and do stuff around the house and just keep listening to the album straight through. Yeah. And it was, it was a great experience. Yeah. You know, I rediscovered a new album, which is one of the things I hope to do with this whole project. So it was, that was pretty good. Sometimes when you hear someone explaining a song or showing you a certain art especially that you didn't know was even there or maybe you know you kind of just gloss over it sometimes it gives you a different appreciation of the song too after i listened to the album a couple times i i looked into the production of it and i didn't i didn't realize it was recorded in nigeria yeah and uh under like terrible conditions i guess the studio was pretty substandard Nigeria was going through a civil war. <laughs> yeah, the yeah. They actually got robbed at gunpoint. Yeah. And the two of the band members left like days yeah. before they left for Nigeria. So it was literally Paul, Linda, and yeah. guitarist. Yep, Denny Lane. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah. The the drummer and the guitar player, Jimmy McCulloch, uh, they just bailed like, like day, literally days before they were supposed to fly to Nigeria. <laughs> Yeah, that's crazy. So the other band members are like, screw it. We'll do it ourselves. I'm curious if it was more creative differences or I'll be damned if I'm going to fly to Nigeria. Yeah, <laughs> during a Civil War. Yeah. <laughs> you, yeah. You might think that those two made the smarter decision, but uh, everybody's unscathed. So I guess it's all right. But they were able to bring out of it a, a great album. Yeah. Uh, they really were, especially with, and, and knowing that Paul McCartney played the bulk of the drums was interesting on it. Right. Uh, I didn't realize that he was as versatile 
a musician yeah. uh, as he, I obviously I knew bass and piano, right. but I didn't know he played everything else, you know, Prince style, just doing it all. Yeah. A lot of people don't know that Paul is actually the one doing the solo on tax man. And that's one of my, I did not know that. Yeah. That's one of my uh, favorite Beatles songs too. And I didn't know that at first either, but yeah, yeah. He's doing the, the, the guitar solo. I think he might've played drums on Helter Skelter, but I don't quote me on that. And I, and I believe him and John Lennon were the only two on the, um, oh, shoot. What's the song I have to think of? The, the one where they're talking about getting married in Gibraltar, Spain. Oh, the Ballad of John and Yoko. Yeah, the, that's it. Yeah, the Ballad of John and Yoko. It was just those two. They, uh, they did all the instruments. Which that's what Miss, uh, Mrs. Vanderbilt reminds me of, is the Ballad of John and Yoko. Really, you think that was? Uh, yeah, just just that 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 uh, I guess the the base of it and just the, the that rhythm yeah. is what what really kind of jumps out at me on it. I, for some reason, when I hear that song, I think it's the the it's the British version of the Graduate, but it's in the song. know how to describe that but it's like you know the dustin hoffman movie the graduate i think it's because somewhere in the lyrics he says you know leave me alone mrs vanderbilt you know like it gives me that he's young and she's old and then he talks about her not having any money but gets her bills paid somehow you know it's like yeah i was trying to decipher the lyrics myself on that one and because he also changes it and he says leave me alone mrs washington yeah the back I half yeah. so i didn't know if that was a political statement which yeah paul's not really the political guy no lyrics themselves on this album we can we can dive into that there i <laughs> i do not understand i'm gonna be honest i don't i think i get banned on the run other than that it's like a Stoned out mishmash of lyrics with hooky choruses. And I think uh, my six-year-old brain at the time loved those the hooks. And They're that catchy. was it. They are catchy. I mean, you know, come on. Jet. Ooh, ooh, ooh. I mean, come on. Who <laughs> can't love that, right? Jets. And, and that one grows on you with repeated listening. It does. Because it, it, to me, it's, it was definitely a, a, a substandard compared to Band on the Run, which is the best song on the, on the album, probably. Well, uh, it says you, I guess. It, yeah. <laughs> I didn't say it was my favorite, oh, okay. but, it, but it was probably the, the best song on the it, album. It's probably the best put together, the most cohesive, and yeah. lyrically the best on the album. Yeah. I'll agree with you on that. Yeah. Cause, cause like I said, it does have a message of it. You know, it's, it's about him finally escaping the, the Beatles shadow more or less. I think so. Yeah. I think, I mean, that's kind of an impression that I get when I listen to it. Okay. Cause this was also like a do or die moment for him. He, he had two, two studio albums that didn't do that great. So this one, he really needed to prove that he could do something on his own. Yeah, that, that is true. Yeah. And it was, um, I mean, George Harrison had that hugely 
popular album come out right after the Beatles. And of course you got competition with Lennon. So yeah, you really, I mean, you had to be on your game for sure. And Ringo started his all-star band by that point. I don't know when that kind of, I don't think so. Not yet. Do, uh, what, what tracks stand out for you? What are your kind of favorites? So, yeah. So those four I mentioned earlier, I mean, band on the run. Um, I, I just, I like the music and I like how it, uh, it's kind of three songs in one. Yeah. It like tells a story. It's almost like listening to a movie yeah. in, your, in your head. It just, it seems like it had the way the music builds and it ebbs and flows. And it's almost like there's, you know, beginning, middle and end. It's just, uh, it's, yeah, it's a really well put together song. Um, and then jet, you know, with that, that hooky, uh, I mean, that's, that's cool. Uh, and again, the lyrics in jet, I, I have no clue what that's about. And I've actually heard um, a couple people have said that they've heard that Paul say that song is about a bunch of different things at a bunch of different times. So apparently he doesn't know what it's about either. I read that jet itself is the name of a dog. That's the name of the dog? No, that was the name of their dog. Oh. <laughs> okay, well, when we get to Hell on Wheels, that was the name of their Range Rover. Yep, yep. <laughs> okay, so, again, we all know that Paul likes the pot, so, um, you know, take it for what it's worth, I guess. Uh, yeah, but, you know, um, after Jet, when they go into Bluebird, um, when I went back and listen to that um that is that's a really nice song and you'll know what love is for i'm a bluebird i'm a bluebird i'm a bluebird i'm a bluebird yeah yeah you know love song you know really nice harmonies and then that sax solo is is pretty cool in a kind of a mellow rock kind of way yeah the, the sax solo kind of saved it for me otherwise it was fairly forgettable yeah. But I did, did like that saxophone in there. Paul has this thing about bird songs, too, if you want to go yeah. back and look that up. Yeah. You know, Blackbird, obviously, is the first one you think of. But apparently there's like three or four other songs about birds that he does. But And then I was thinking, um, he's written so many songs. I mean, you got to repeat some themes, right? That's true. I mean, this guy's probably written, what, 5,000 songs in his life? Who knows? And yeah, that that Mrs. Vanderbilt that we talked about. Yeah, that one's... This is probably my favorite on the album, though. That's your favorite song? It is. It is. I mean, I even had my my five-year-old daughter uh, (laughs) bounce around going, ho, hey-ho. Yeah, that's definitely... That's definitely, again, see, that's the hook, right? You don't know what he's talking about. You know what the song (laughs) means, but he's got that hook. So, yeah. And then let me roll it. That's another one. So, so let me roll it. I had heard this one before. If you had asked me before any of this, that was a John Lennon song. I honestly thought that was a John Lennon one. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. And, and see, I always, I always figured it was just a drug reference song, but 
He'll like, roll oh, I, I'm not going to deny that. <laughs> like roll it like a joint. And then maybe it is a, a love song to marijuana. I don't know. But again, to me, I, I love the bass. I love how it sounds on that. It's got a great intro too. And, and I, like, the, I like the very beginning of it. Yeah. And the guitar, the guitar almost sounds like it, it's sampled and then just repeated. And then, dun, 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 dun. and then just repeat, you know, it's like a sample almost. When you flip it over to side two, things get uh, derailed. Because <laughs> that, that first, the Mamunia, that is so boring. Ugh. I don't like the Mamunia part of it, but I do yeah. like where it slows down for the verses. He's talking about rain in LA. Yeah. That, that, that part sounds nice, but then it, it cuts back to the weird Mamunia. Yeah. So, so yeah, they, they started side two with that. Yeah. That's side two. That's, that's interesting choice. I know. It's almost like they just want to get it out of the way. <laughs> Because no, because the next one, no words, is not any better to me. No, it's not. Yeah, that's this. That's definitely the low point of the album. You wanna give your love away and end up giving nothing. It's uh, it's another. be another skip if you have it on CD and not album. But then when you get to Hell and Wheels, though, now that is a cool song. That's a good cruising song yeah i mean it's, yeah and knowing that it was about a land rover and a road <laughs> trip from scotland to london that that it makes sense yeah and that interestingly enough that didn't appear on the uk versions of the album that was only on the u.s version yeah that's that's an odd choice there too because i mean i don't know the reason why but i mean it's it's a good tune yeah, I don't. I, I assume it was a single, right? Yeah, it was a single in England, I think, and it was a single released in the U.S. So I don't know why it didn't appear on the U.K. In fact, I have a vinyl version, and mine doesn't have Helen Wheels on it. So I'm gonna go have to go get me a U.S. version because that's got to be on there for me. Saying a cuss word, uh, singing the song, so I was thinking back, and maybe in Helen Wheels, you know, I was. I was singing hell on wheels, not Helen wheels. And then I could, you know, say, no, no, mom, I'm saying Helen wheels, not hell on wheels. Cause that was a bad word. Of course. When you're yeah. It's a, it's old. a clever wordplay there with it's Helen and yeah. wheels. So, right. Yeah. <laughs> so hell on wheels, Helen wheels. Um, and then the 1985, well you, you, well, you forgot one in there, which uh, is Picasso's last words. Oh, Picasso's last word. Yeah, you can skip that one, too. <laughs> That's like a bunch of song snippets that, that aren't it's, half as interesting. But it's weird because it's actually the longest track on the album. And then, it's just and, like a bunch of snippets that don't really do anything for me. What's interesting about that one, though, is apparently uh, he was at dinner with Dustin Hoffman and Dustin Hoffman dared him write a song about something. And Picasso had just died and uh, wow. his last words were drink to me. Right. So 
he, Paul McCartney did, and Dustin Hoffman's like, oh, he's doing it, he's doing it. And oh wow! Okay, so I didn't it, know about that. It doesn't mean it had to be a great song, but he did write <laughs> yeah. a song kind of on the spot. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, I didn't even know that. So that's uh, that is kind of impressive. That, and I, I think mean, they yeah. they did that at at uh, not in Nigeria or in Nigeria, but at Ginger Baker's personal studio in Nigeria. Oh, that's cool. Okay. Well, I still don't like it. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's it's not it's not the best. Uh, and, and I, I think say when you compare it to say Abbey Rhodes medley, you know, it blows it out of the water, which, yeah, which I, still, it seems like filler. Oh yeah. Yeah. Definitely yeah. filler. And that seems like side two is a lot of filler in me too, but <laughs> that's a good way to put it. Yeah. But again, uh, but it, it ends strong. Yeah. I, I like, I like 1985. And it has that um, that little coda at the end where they they band on the run and it kind mm-hmm. of fades out, so you know it's it's the end of the album. I thought that was kind of cool. What I liked about that one was the uh, the great piano intro, kind of yeah. Lady Madonna esque. Yeah, that's definitely. I didn't think about the Lady Madonna aspect of it, but yeah. Again, uh, if you could tell me what that song's about, I'd love to hear it because I don't know. Yeah, that's another gibberish lyrics. <laughs> no one here gets out alive, something, 1985. Yeah. Yeah, if you take them literally, didn't really age well, but no. still a good tune. Again, it, the hook, whatever hook he puts in there, you remember that and you just totally forget that song is, doesn't make any sense. It's still overall a great album yeah i'm glad you uh glad you picked this one it was a a good listen and uh definitely going to be one that i'll return to several times over cool that's good to know so band on the run made your top slot which ones didn't what was on your short list well if i go to my short list i go to a different reasoning you know it could be a music style there and say, oh, Dark Side of the Moon is my favorite album. I won't fault you for that. <laughs> but that is a great album. But my short list I are the ones that I go to and play a lot of. That's the ones I consider my favorites. Um, and uh, none of them are going to be like Band on the Run because I, I will go to I like to play my music loud so I go to Bad Motor Finger from Soundgarden. That's a great album. Um, the Helicopters, Rock and Roll is Dead. That's one of them. That's not one I'm um, aware of. I'll have to look that one up. The Helicopters were, uh, or are, I don't know if they're defunct or not. I think they're Swedish, Swedish band. The Smoke album from Driving and Crying. That's one I like. All right. Because that one is... Like they just went in the studio and turned everything up to 11 and hit record. So I love that album. Tesla, Psychotic Supper, another one. The Tesla is a band that, uh, you know, outside of the five man acoustical jam, I don't really know their catalog. Oh, yeah. 
Um, they're actually from here in Sacra- Sacramento as well. Oh, okay. Um, coincidentally, you know. Um, I guess the other couple I can think of, um, Brother Kane, the Seeds album. Um, that's one of my favorites. Um, again, because it, it's basic rock and roll type stuff, and, and that's what I love. Um, Black Crows, Southern Harmony and Musical Companion. Um, that's got a little bit more depth to it, but... Uh, Was that their follow-up to Shake Your Money Maker? Um, was that the, it might have been the follow like, like with like Thorn in My Pride, yes, on it, yeah, Hotel yeah. Illness. Um, I love the guitar tones of that album. Me being kind of a guitar loving kind of guy, um, the just the tones on that album are totally worth listening to for me. I don't care if there's anything else on the album, I just love listening to those. I always like Chris Robinson's voice. He's got a a great uh, Southern blues sort of voice to him. Yeah, absolutely. And his brother plays some killer blues, blues rock type guitar always. That's a good, good short list there. A couple I'm going to have to research on my own here. Yeah. The helicopters, that'd be a good one for you. All right. All right. We'll uh, we'll have to bring you back on here, and uh, you can talk one of those albums or a whole sure. one. Sure. Well, overall, Alan, I want to thank you for your time today. Truly a pleasure to sit and talk with you, talk about Band on the Run. Feel free to tell us what, what your. Uh... Well, I don't. I have nothing to promote. I have nothing to sell. Uh, <laughs> I have no online presence. Uh, other, other guests might. So this is I, that time where they can pitch whatever they want. Facebook. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, well, you know, thank, thanks for letting me do this. You know, t- talk about the album. Um, it was super fun. And I, and I hope it uh, works out great for you. I'm sure it will, because this is a cool concept. For me, the album, you know, it always reminds me of a, a particular moment in my life you know when I'm back six-year-old me right but what's crazy is it gave me a direction and sent me down on a path and um the album kind of made me who I am today and and that's kind of uh amazing when you think about it that a an album could do that to a person you know my my twin uncles so Stephen and Kevin Epley you know how can how can I express how much they probably un- unwillingly at the time ended up shaping my life? They instilled in me a lifelong love of music and classic rock in particular. And, you know, that's like a debt I could never repay to them. Well, to, to further on that, uh, two, two memories I have of uh, my older cousin, Alan, here is uh, at one Christmas, I was listening to Melancholy and the Infant Sadness that I had just gotten and you had all kinds of thoughts on it already. <laughs> and, and to me, this was a brand new album and it was changing my life at the time. Oh yeah. And you already had, and you had thoughts on it and you were, you were, re- I don't even remember. This was uh, at the Oakra building and um, you were, you blew my mind at that point with 
all the musical knowledge you had about that album, about Billy Corgan, and you had you had thoughts on their previous albums, which I then had to go and get. And so that that sent me down the the Pumpkins path. That's cool. Uh, uh, but then uh, at a later date, might have been a year later at Christmas again, I don't know. But you you brought me some CDs that I still listen to today, which is uh, the best of Emerson Lake and Palmer. Oh wow, yeah, something that I had never heard before, and <laughs> that that blew my mind. Uh, but then also Aerosmith Gems. Oh yeah, uh, which uh, this was when, this is at the time where Aerosmith was coming out with Crying and. Uh, you know, newer Aerosmith. Ugh, yeah, and, I hate all that new shit. And, Everything that they've done since they got sober, I've hated. <laughs> <laughs> but so, I mean, that one had, you know, Mama Ken and all these yeah. songs where they just jam. And yeah. it's not, and it's not the MTV Aerosmith that I knew. No. And so like that opened me up to realize that, you know, how bands can really change over time not necessarily for the worst, but just they, they can reinvent themselves and their, their earlier albums are always worth going back and listening to for, for many reasons. Uh, And that again, musical journey that helped me look backwards in time on that. And then lastly, uh, we were at uncle Jim's and I was trying to play a record. And for some reason I wanted to hear Desperado and you were insistent, just play the album. Like, but Desperado's track five, he's like, I don't, you're, you're like, I don't care. Just play the whole thing. They're all good songs. This was, <laughs> this was their greatest hits, Eagles greatest hits. So like, oh, just okay. play, 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 play the whole album. And, uh, and, and I did, but I, I remember that specifically because you're like, that's one of the, that's not the best one there. Just play the whole album. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> so that's uh, what I, I always try to do. Play the whole album. Yeah. Yeah. That is, that is a, a really good point. Um, you know, if you, and that goes back to the, the album versus MP3 or streaming debate too, right? Yeah. Because sometimes those tracks that are on a CD or album on the, not second side on the CD, but you know what I mean? Buried back there in the 10th or 11th or 12th spot or whatever. Sometimes those songs can be really cool, but maybe they're not super popular. So they're always worth listening to the whole thing. Absolutely. And never take somebody's word that this is the best song on the album. Very true. I I try not to be a music snob, but I am. Nothing wrong with that. And everybody tells me that I am proud of it. But, you know, I I listen to blues, punk, uh, you know, classic rock, obviously. Um, I, I, I can pretty much handle anything but new country and freaking opera well you're gonna love our phantom of the opera episode <laughs> in the future then yeah. i'm gonna listen because maybe someone can make me appreciate it well not like that kind of opera that's a as an actual story but you know like those uh i don't know I, I have been I, I have been to an opera once. I went to the the Bar of Seville, and it was interesting to say the least. I mean, it, it really wasn't my thing, uh, but it, I it's like okay. But in that context of seeing a story evolve and the how the music goes, story that I could do. Yeah, there was an actual story being played out on stage. 
Right. Yes. I would and you not can interpret, you know, it was all in Italian, but you can, inter- you could interpret the story that you were watching. Right. I would not pick up an Italian opera on vinyl and play it on a lazy Sunday afternoon. No, 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 no. Yeah, <laughs> I, I couldn't picture myself doing that, <laughs> but on the countryside, I mean, I'll, I'll go, I'll lean more towards bluegrass than yeah. in country. Uh, I just, you know, whether it's, you know, old Crow medicine show or the Stanley brothers, you know, there's, there's a lot of good music out there that you know, just doesn't get played. You know, I would not know about it if someone else hadn't turned me on to that sort of thing. Yeah. I can even like t- take that a step back. And I like some of the, I guess I would say like the Appalachian type music, the, the real rootsy type music that involves the bluegrass, but it's even a little bit more, even rawer than that. I, yeah. Some of that Americana, I guess might be the, the yeah. label they put on it nowadays. I like a lot of that too. Get that old brother. Where art thou soundtrack? Yeah. That yeah. kind of stuff. Yeah. yeah fantastic soundtrack. Yeah, it is. It is. Yeah. All right. I think we've rambled on enough about, about music. Never. <laughs> Well, hopefully you're going to contribute to this at some point. Uh, maybe, maybe someday I'll bring it, bring you back and you can be, we'll, we'll reverse our, our positions here. Yeah. Kinda, I'll turn it around. Run, run, run. Yeah. That sounds we'll cool. We'll see. Maybe. That would be an interesting um, it, way to end the season. Maybe. Yeah. That's the beauty of being the host though. You know, I, I don't have to pick. Or like a bonus. You could interview yourself. <laughs> oh, that would that'd be horrible to listen to. <laughs> I'd like to thank Alan again for joining us and thank you all for listening to this episode of Music Rewind, a podcast from the Sidereal Media Group. Please subscribe wherever you listen to your favorite podcast and feel free to give us a rating if you enjoy the show. Until next time. A podcast from the Sidereal Media Group. Back to you, anchors.